Thank you. Poetry Night rings through. halfway through I'm going to do a commercial so I'll prep you for that right now um, some poems to get us going a couple of uh, love poems perhaps the first one by William Butler Yeats the song of wandering Angus I went out to the hazel wood because a fire was in my head and cut and peeled a hazel wand and hooked a berry to a thread and when white moths were on the wing and moth-like stars were flickering out I dropped the berry in a stream and caught a little silver trout. When I had laid it on the floor, I went to blow the fire aflame, but something rustled on the floor and someone called me by my name. It had become a glimmering girl with apple blossom in her hair who called me by my name and ran and faded through the brightening air. Though I'm old with wandering through hollow lands and hilly lands, I will find out where she has gone and kiss her lips and take her hands and walk among long dappled grass, and pick till time and times are done the silver apples of the moon, the golden apples of the sun. And I have to admit, when Don was reading his uh, fishing poems earlier, I was pretty jealous um, hearing about all the fishing stuff, because one drawback of Poet Laureate business is that uh, my fishing time is going to uh, diminish quite a bit, so at least I can take have some fun with Yeats's poem. Second Love Poem by Gerald Lachlan. Illumination. Unlike everyone else in America, I've never gotten laid at the laundromat. <laughs> then again, it's my girlfriend who always does the laundry. I'm going to have to end this poem right now. Something just occurred to me. <laughs> uh, uh, that was Gerald, Gerald Bachman. Uh, we, we had a fun, uh, humorous poet over on the east side of the state, um, named Tom Wobker, and he wrote a number of, uh, uh, comic poems for the Spokesman Review newspaper. Uh, which is our daily in Spokane. And uh, he did it anon anonymously for more than a decade, and he wrote over 800 poems. Uh, he just passed away on Saturday um, after a long battle with cancer, and um, I thought I might read a couple of his uh, poems in honor of him. It was, it was brilliant. He, he, no one knew who he was for, um, you know, a long, long time, and he poked great fun at the city council, at the mayor, um, at local dignitaries, um, knocked him down a peg. But uh, here are some that aren't so rooted in local politics, I suppose. TSA, they pay us good wages to feel up your granny in case she's got A-bombs concealed in her fanny. <laughs> Summer travels, dead pigeon in Arizona, smashed flat by a semi just outside of Bisbee, if he flies again, it will be like a frisbee. And, uh, summer travels where Oregonians draw the, draw the line. They don't care much if you decide to try assisted suicide and view it largely as a joke if you should take a little toke. 
Most everything they will let pass unless you try to pump your gas. <laughs> and then la- the last one, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sheepish reading this poem because I have a dog that's a Yorkie poo, um, which is um, an embarrassing dog name to say sometimes. But um, this is called To a Chihuahua, and um, it goes like this. You claim, you claim to be a dog? Oh, please. You're as pointless as a Pekingese. Your bark is but the high-pitched squeak that might, might come from a robin's beak. Your wee small body's thin and frail and weighs less than a real dog's tail. Your tiny teeth won't bruise a mouse, so how would you protect a house? No Sunday paper could you fetch, nor any flying frisbee catch. And if perchance a ch- cat you chase, you'll disappear without a trace. No canine do you seem to me. Did he who made the lab make thee? Apologies to William Blake, I'm sure. So that was by by, uh, Tom Wobker, and um, I think that it's always a good reminder of uh, the place in poetry for for humor that we find when we, you know, poems give us a good laugh. And one one of, um, a poem that I wrote last fall kind of had that spirit behind it. It's kind of a long, sprawling, epic poem. Um, It's not that long, but um, it's long enough, and uh, I wrote it for the Humanities Washington Bedtime Stories Program, which is their annual fundraiser that they have in uh, both uh, Seattle and Spokane. And if you can imagine maybe the speaker of this poem as some kind of combination of Pecos Bill, David Lee Roth, and Macklemore, um, then that might help. Um, it, the poem plays with the superlative vision uh, uh, that I think uh, maybe we cultivate of ourselves in the Northwest of being you know, the, the greatest coffee drinkers, uh, the greatest fly fisher people, the amazing beer brewers, uh, mushroom foragers, software makers, trend rejectors, and so on. Um, and it also maybe uh, says something about the, uh, the divides that split our state. Um, one great perk with uh, being poet laureate as I'm traveling constantly all over the state. And uh, whether I'm in Ellensburg or the Tri-Cities or Olympia or Bellingham, uh, it's wonderful see, to see people come together for poetry, um, even though there are vast uh, ideological divides um, throughout the state. So um, if you can imagine uh, just a little bit more, a, a Paul Bunyan-esque figure uh, in ratty flannel and maybe um, Fielsen. Um, and you know, uh, the speaker probably has a big beard, um, maybe many tattoos and some really cool boots, um, then may- maybe that will help you get into this poem. It's called Three Dreams from the East Side of the Mountains. Ask the swirling dirt rising in spirals from dusty furrows just outside of Afreda. The hundred thousand honking geese lifting from Moses Lake. Ask the coyote with a lame rear paw limping across four paved lanes. Ask the bull elk bugling in the meadow beside the road that climbs Mount Spokane in a curling corkscrew. Who can name every green shoot grown along the shores of I-90, the 26 types of wildflowers blossoming near Snoqualmie Pass, the eight grizzlies left to roam lonely in the Salmo Priest? Who knows where the sternum of Kennewick Man lingers, shiny with longing for brother bones? Yes. I am friends with every rattler slithering the shores of the snake. I scrape Idaho mud from my soles on the August chin dribble that is Spokane Falls. When I bathe in Medical Lake, the healing I feel is a low-voltage swoon, muddy zap deep into my being that I bump to full charge by flossing with the guitar string cables strung tight from cement dams. 
The red bark of a ponderosa pine is the red of my buttocks after sliding down a steep crevasse of Mount Rainier. The slick white sheen gliding over Grand Coulee Dam stole its style from my combed back hair. I know the allure of mossy woodlands, rain-soaked bark, the call of Olympic peaks. I hear the mermaids of a Starbucks cup singing, but they will not sing to me. After spending 600,000 years sleeping in the snowy folds of Glacier Peak, letting the long valley of her icy legs numb me to a deep dumbness, I dreamed of endless cars flowing like salmon and then flowing instead of salmon, replacing frenetic fish with moving metal that slowly, slowly stalled to a stop, stuck, clogged, a spawning run jammed, damned, blocked, backed up for miles and miles, and I awoke with a sudden start and farted in a cloud that Bellevue dwellers still believe is romantic fog coming in off the sound. <laughs> I used Baker as a butt scratcher, Mount St. Helens as a bidet, washed my feet one last time in the salty tides of Elliott Bay, and leapt into the slowly rolling bed of the Palouse for centuries of delicious rooting. And more, I crossed into Oregon and rubbed the beautiful blues, even flirted recklessly with Idaho, the sassy seven devils, locksaw like chocolate sauce on the tongue, and afterwards gave crabs from the disastrous mingling to the curvy flow of a long, long creek. My children are named Huckleberry, Arrowleaf, Colfax, Kettle, and Pesatin. Weaned from coffee, I French press Hanford dust with chunks of basalt for a better buzz. Sometimes I spy on my old home, sit in a wide clear cut, and watch with a daze the commuting brake lights and blinkers flicking, flicking, flicking on I-90 and wonder why the universe withholds deepest secrets, love, wonder, creation, and how to yield, why people cannot glide gracefully like eager fish or hold in slow-moving traffic, calm and patient, rainbow trout behind a mid-river stone. I'll sit on Mount Sai and slip into a daydream of gentle orcas arcing through air, nuzzling up to my chin, nibbling my beard, cleaning wax and worms from my ears, how they chew little critters into small bits that end up mulched into mussels and rich weed beds, duff on clattering crabs, and then finally the song sung from the smooth throats of shells strewn along the beach. Someone leaning the tense density of their whole irritated being into a horn blast, the Issaquah exit backed up for miles, will rudely rouse me from my reverie, send me scuttling in three wide steps to Cannonball Lake Chelan, where I pee into the freezing water and generate six doctoral theses on the rising temperature of that sexy cleft in the earth. Oh grief, oh chainsaw, oh falling fur, the roar of fire scarring my beloved twisp. Oh Canada, why do you always seem inconsolably sad? Oh trampy Idaho, of you I have nothing good to say. I live for now far from the backed up traffic, but I breathe and blossom with all of my state. Salmon spawniest, rain rainiest, wide desert dry as a flickering lizard's tongue. A Washington, Washington, when I next sleep, I hope to dream of a whole you. So. Um, of course, uh, there's lots of room in poetry uh, uh, for, for darker stuff, and I suppose um, this poem announces those energies. 
One of the greatest lessons I ever learned about poetry, Sam Green, our first poet laureate, um, uh, b- binds books that people send to them and makes them into beautiful hardbacks like this one here. And um, I sent him this book and he bound it and made it beautiful. And then um, I left it on the table and my niece illustrated it <laughs> and throughout. And, it, you know, it was a good lesson about, you know, not, not uh, thinking too preciously about art, I suppose. Choir. But mud covers the angels, a perfect disguise for feathery wings. Try it. Smear yourself with sloppy handfuls, scoop dark clumps from puddles, paint your face and arms, drop globs on feet and toes, and slip into the streets. Smile at everyone, and they'll ignore you as only the holy are ignored. A choice. Learn to fly. To lift your body by the strength of muscle and bone, or live with drying mud and a song. That familiar human singing, the refrain that ends in dirt, dirt, dirt. How we learn that we are not our own. I don't know what the sheriff thought of me, shirtless, eight, holding the sheet metal screen door, bracket and chain to keep it from swinging busted in the last storm. As I lied to him, again, when he asked if my folks were home, except that his face showed he knew how things would end up for me. Come on, I know they're home. The AC labored in a window, evening cicadas made racket. Behind me, the TV that was on when I answered the door clicked off. Who turned it off? I looked him straight on. My little brother, I said, just as he toddled in diapers from the back of the trailer, and we stood side by side, guarding that door. Scars. Some trailers lost their skirting in the last storm, bearing an underworld of cinder blocks and flat tires, old hoses in leaky coils, busted bikes, millipedes and spiders gathering beneath the creaking of feet and beds, the occasional crash of a thrown beer bottle, shattered mirrors, or worse. My father nearly killed my mother in the kitchen for mica countertop broken at the corner where he brought down her head. Sometimes in sunlight the scar shines, skin smooth and tight, sometimes beneath moon and stars, sometimes in a single dim bulb on the porch is enough. One humid night she opened the screen door to the neighbor's daughter who staggered in wearing tattered cut-off jeans and a black bra with one torn strap. My mother iced the girl's eye, and the glow through the window held them safe for a few sobbing minutes. Sometimes I was told to go find something to do, and I actually played with the slow kid down the street. Even at eight, I sensed that he smiled too much, and we chased each other around their single-wide, laughing and yelling, until his mother came out and sharply said it was time for lunch, time for the boy up the street to go home as if she knew that two years later I'd shout retard at her son as I cut through their yard to spend the night at Greg's, 15, who, after his parents were asleep, held me down and whispered that I was going to feel what it was like to be a girl. I don't know the name of the kid who twirled in circles and fell to the ground giggling, who chased grasshoppers caught in the wind, always smiling, but I still know the heat from the flames after his place sparked, a cigarette his sleeping mother dropped between oily cushions. She ran outside and the door locked behind her. I also know that my father sprinted down the street and burnt his hands on each of the doorknobs, 
hurled a cinder block through the bedroom window and was held back by arriving firemen who saw that aluminum siding was starting to melt. I know the woman's screams were loud as the shriek of tornado sirens, a cue that actually brought everyone away from TVs to huddle together in the cement shelter at the center of the cul-de-sacs near the communal swimming pool that was always closed or stinging with too much chlorine. Some old couples dragging coolers and lawn chairs down the steep stairs, most of us leaning, slouching, standing around, impatient and ashamed, waiting for the storm to blow over, the wind to stop, waiting for someone to say, all clear, it's safe, you can go home. So two more poems. Um, after I finished the first book, Dare Say, I had no idea uh, when the next poem would come or what it was going to look like. I'm sure many of you have had that feeling. And so I gave myself a template to write in, describe something to something else. And um, there are many poems that didn't go real far in that template. Um, describe um, algebra to cheerleaders. Describe pornography to St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, describe pencils to Winnebago's. You know, some of them are just were just you know done from the get go. Um, but this is one that made it in, into um, the tangled line. Describe wildflowers to ethics. The ground gives a push. Rocks applaud, and nearby waterfalls like rivers of joyful tears. That time laughing so hard at my son, toddling around the house with an erection on which he'd hung the friendship bracelet from the Bible people that said, what would Jesus do? <laughs> Answer that one and you might be able to see those purples, reds, and yellows, the subtle lavender gloss, sheeny pinks, even the over-the-top oranges, and not be tempted to pick the explosive petals to press into a notebook with the desperate hope you could one day open the pages and say, as it was, so it shall be. Try again. Write scribbles of smoke against the sky, philium, trillium, birdfoot, violet, blue flag. Try paintbrush, buttercup. Try please. Try fire and tears. Try greeny, green, green. And then the last poem that I'll read is from Bugle. And it has some fudging at the beginning because I wrote it a few years back. It says that I am... Uh, um, in my early 40s, but I'm not, so um, we can all live with that. Um, birthday poem. And thank you, Bellingham, for hosting me. And uh, it's been a, a wonderful couple of days here. Uh, and, um, um, oh, I, for, I, I got so excited I forgot my commercial. I'm sorry. Um, back on the table, you'll see a flyer. Um, the Humanities, uh, the, the uh, Poet Laureate Program in Washington State is sponsored by Arts Washington and Humanities Washington, and th they provide so much great programming for our state, um, and the Poet Laureate Program is just uh, one of those programs. Uh, the Primetime Reading uh, 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 Program is a fantastic literacy outreach um, uh, uh, program that Humanities Washington puts on, but um, the, the project that I'm undertaking as Poet Laureate is the pu publishing of a book with 129 Washington poets uh, in it. And there's a call for submissions on the back table. Um, I know that um, just from my first few months as Poet Laureate, there are far, far too many poets in our state um, to adequately represent the many uh, voices with just 129 writers. So we're also creating a really cool ebook version that actually will probably get way more traffic um, than, than the actual book. 
um, that will um, contain many of the other uh, many, uh, many other poets in it. So uh, there's a call for submission. I'm going to gather 129 poems for book form um, over the next several months, and um, uh, those poets in the book will uh, you know uh, consist of uh, fourth grade poets, Pulitzer Prize winning poets, people who are new to poetry, uh, as will uh, all the writers on the website. Uh, in the second part of my term, uh, I want to go back to all the communities where those poets are from and um, put on events for them to read. And so it'll be a cool celebration of all the different ways that people sing in Washington. And, and we have so many great writers. Um, it's, 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 it's a real fun thing to be involved with. So please take one of those flyers or just check out the link on the website. So last poem. Birthday poem. My mother turned 60 this week deep in that stretch where anything can happen. Her mother died at 57. I'm 42, and Dante's dark forest, well, let's just say it continues to thicken. And I know what you spiritual people are thinking, muttering koans under your ginger tea breath. It can happen anytime, anywhere, to anyone. And that's why the moon doesn't cling as it slides across the sky. Fine. Last fall, hiking near Priest Lake, I came across a teenage boy covered with blood, sobbing. He held a compound bow with pulleys that looked like they could move the horizon or at least hurl a razor-edged arrow a couple hundred feet through the breast and heart of a skinny doe and out again and into the shoulder of a five-month fawn that still quivered. Cedar scales covered the forest floor a mossy quilt to hush the pain, and so we pulled on the shaft, but it was stuck in bone, and the fawn mewled, moaned, kicked thin legs, black hooves like chips of coal. I told the kid to find a big rock, quick. He did and held it toward me, somehow confused, and I tried to smash the skull, but missed once, shattering the eye socket and breaking the jaw before ending the pain and walking away among massive trees that held the sound in the harsh ridges of bark. Jesus, Mom, I'd meant to write a happy birthday poem. When I'd gone a hundred yards, the quiet beneath the looming cedars was the quiet I felt as a child in your arms. You were a little bit older than that kid. This is the best that I can do. Above the ancient grove, tamaracks lit the hillside in an explosive gold glowing toward dusk. Close your eyes. You can see them. Keep them closed. We'll all blow together and make a wish. Thank you. that had been bedazzled with the rose on the back.